0: You want really good coffee to take on your next adventure use cs instant coffee you can find out more about them at cs instant
1: found ourselves in the middle of this war like we saw people shot point blank right in front of us um, we we were hostages running from the kyrgyz military for six days and we had to abandon all of our food and warm clothing we lost like 20 pounds of weight each
0: This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we hear stories of adventure from every corner of the planet. We interview all sorts of folks who are using their sport to explore the world around them and give you the inspiration you need to get out there and have some fun. So today's episode is from late 2018. It was actually one of the first episodes I did, like right after I took over the podcast in 2018. And we were very lucky to be be able to talk to Tommy Caldwell about his uh, film, The Don Wall. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you checking it out. It's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, it's just an amazing film. And as you heard in the clip at the very beginning of the episode, Tommy's story is crazy. He was kidnapped and uh he's lost he lost a finger at another time in life for a climber that's a big deal of course but he he just got a crazy story great guy uh we were very fortunate to talk to him and this is definitely one of my favorite episodes but it is a revisited episode because it's thursday we do revisited episodes on thursday and so uh, and also want to say thank you for making last month the best month of the show ever we had way more downloads than usual and uh this month is on track to do even better so thank you the show is growing um but anyway back to tommy if you if you don't know who tommy caldwell is he's one of the world's greatest climbers and this project he did called the don wall will put him in the history books of the world of big wall climbing pretty much forever he did a route that was essentially considered impossible physically impossible and he was able with his partner kevin jorgensen to to, to do this over 19 days. It was such a big deal in 2014 uh, that President Obama tweeted about it and talked about it saying you know how impressed he was and um, it got news just all over the world. So really cool. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun talking to him and I hope you enjoy this episode and thank you so much for listening in. There's a lot of shows out there now. so I really appreciate you taking time to, to listen to us. Anyway, have a great day, have a great weekend get out there, do something out in the woods, out in nature, and take a little break from this over-civilized world we live in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, Today, we have an incredibly achieved climber, uh, and he's actually come out with a movie lately called uh, The Don Wall, and his name is Tommy Caldwell. Tommy, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, man. Um, before we get started, I hate to hog the airways, but I got a quick story. Uh, last summer, I was climbing in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains uh, down in southern Colorado, and I was going up uh, to Crestone Needle, and, and it was dark. It was like four in the morning, and there was these headlamps up above me, like, I don't know, a quarter mile um, up to Broken Hand Pass, and I eventually catch up to these lights, and uh, it was these two older guys. And they were really cool. And I ended up hanging out with them all day long. And uh, one of them was just super fun to be around. And uh, we get to talking and he's kept saying like, my son, Tom, Tommy, my son, Tommy's done this and that. And I'm like, dang, your son's done that? And I'm like, who the heck is your son? And he's like, oh, by the way, my name's Mike Caldwell. I'm like, you know, your son's Tommy Caldwell. <laughs> and uh, so me and your dad spent the day climbing together last summer. And uh, man, he's a hoot. Oh, man. yeah, you uh, I
1: hear that kind of story on almost a daily basis. Like my dad seems to be everywhere all the time and he makes an impression on everyone and he and he shamelessly brags about me, which is uh, you know, a little bit hard at sometimes, but it's also a bit
0: endearing, you know? <laughs> well, I'm sure you do the same thing with your kids. It's hard not to brag. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he yeah, he starts going up this route, which the bu- guidebook specifically says, don't. And I'm like, hey, Mike, Mike, you can't go that way. That's the way you don't go. And he's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm going off memory from 45 years ago. <laughs> I was like, they got apps now with pictures in them.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. He still doesn't know how to use a cell phone.
0: So. Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. But yeah, man, that was my only connection to you. But it was, he was a great guy, great time. Um, but you've been going around promoting uh, your new movie called uh, the dawn wall about your climb up the dawn wall in yosemite how's it been going so far
1: oh it's been great um you know the movie was the making of the movie was kind of an interesting process because we filmed it for like seven years and then it took them like almost three years to do the post-production. So for a long time, I was like, man, is this thing ever going to actually come out? <laughs> is it going to see the light of day? Um, but I'd also just written a book. And so I never really, I've never dove too deeply into the into the process of them making the movie. They're just good friends of mine, uh, Big Up Productions and, um, and Sender Films. You know, the guys that run those companies are just good friends of mine. I, and I, so I didn't ask too many questions. I just uh, totally trusted them with the story. And so I didn't really know what the movie was going to be like. Um, so when I saw it the first time at the South by Southwest film festival in Austin, Texas, it was, it was with a crowd of like 400 people. And, um, man, I was, I was, I was kind of, it was, it like brought me back to all those experiences and I was just so happy with it. Like those guys, um, you know, did such a great job. So it was, my trust was, was well-placed
0: so was that, was that difficult seeing yourself on screen and like not knowing, I mean, that was the first time you said you you saw it. So you just d- basically didn't know how they were telling the story.
1: Right. I mean, I've, I'm used to seeing myself on screen because I've been doing video projects in one way or another since I was like, you know, 16 years old. Um, so that's like 25 years. But this story is different, you know, it's, it's really personal. It digs really deep. And so there's a few sections that are hard to, hard for me to watch, but yeah, for the most part, I was just, I was just excited. They did a good job.
0: Good, man. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an incredible film. Um, I lived in Yosemite and I just remember the story. It was, it was awesome to see like the, the kind of the, the, the gathering that it started to get towards the end. And the biggest thing I noticed is when you finished, I was on Twitter and saw president Obama tweeted about it. And I'm like, Holy crap, climbing, got to the White House. How cool was that (laughs) for you?
1: I mean, it was cool. I feel like it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I felt like it was one of these uh, these things that just go viral in the news and online for whatever reason for a long time I'm like why why were people so interested in this because it was so unplanned you know like we we were telling the story to the climbing audience, but we didn't expect it to really go beyond that and the fact that, that it went to the White House and the New York Times ran articles about it for seven days that it was it was both really cool and very strange like topping out all cap after being on the wall for 19 days and having reporters up there um like it just felt weird actually i wished i wished i could have avoided that <laughs> um but the whole the whole experience has changed my life or sort of the after experience of the Don wall has changed my life and created opp- opportunities in some pretty wonderful ways
0: you know there's there's two big climbing movies out right now and i'm sure i'm sure there's been some people that's gotten some confusion from it did did you and uh the makers of free solo did y'all plan this or did it just kind of happen
1: no, nah, I think we tried to avoid it, actually. Well, you
0: failed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it did work out. Like, I mean, I'm part of that free solo film, too. I'm like one of the characters in the movie. I'm one of wow. Alex's best friends. I was involved in the filming of that movie, too. So we were all really aware of what each other were doing. And we're like, man, I hope it doesn't happen that these come out at exactly the same time. And then... And then it just did. It just happened that way. And I think if you ask Josh Loyal, he's like, if there's one regret he had, he wished they would have figured out a way to to get the movie out like a year earlier or at least six months earlier so Mm. they weren't right on top of each other.
0: Huh. So I guess it's kind of like a big ship. It's just kind of hard to steer once you got it on course. So once those release dates got out, it was kind of hard to change.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all about film festival schedules. Ah, yeah. And release plans and there's so many people that get their fingers in there and yeah it was
0: completely out of my control so you know with them both being out together and yeah you're in both films like pre, pre, obviously in yours a lot but also in alex's you're you're in there quite a bit and that's even me who's involved in the world was a little confused at the beginning i was like what in the world um but i i feel like free solo is a really easy message to get across because it's like I'm just climbing a rock with nothing with no gear how would you explain it like in really simple terms like the the the, the impact of what you did versus something that's just easy to explain like climbing a rock with no rope
1: I mean it's a little bit hard to explain even the impact of what I did because I you know like I said I thought it was so niche I mean it was it was very exciting to me personally because In the world of big wall free climbing, um, this was like the biggest thing, you know. But the world of big wall free climbing is really small, (laughs) generally. Um, Yeah, but I mean, just like how I progressed, you know, how I climbed the easiest routes on El Cap and then I started putting up my own and then I went other places in the world and then I got to this place where I wanted to find something that was just going to challenge me way above and beyond anything else you know the dawn wall was the biggest most badass blankest big wall in the world but you have to to know the nuances of big wall climbing to really understand that um you know i thought i thought you would have to know the nuances but but i think this the, the part that that caught the interest of so many people was like the story of brotherhood and the fact that we were up there for so long like we just happened to come across this this uh format for storytelling where Um, you know, we're nineteen days people could go online and they could see what we're doing, and by the end it was live streamed on TV and and there was these really cool underlying messages of like belief and sort of the tenacity that took and the brotherhood, like in the end, the whole story of me like not wanting to go to the top without Kevin and actually sort of deciding that I wasn't going to and really putting my own success on the line. Like that spoke to people in this in this way. So I think the story is really about that more than it is about
0: the actual climbing. How long have you been thinking about this wall before you did it?
1: Uh, I mean, I had I had toyed with the idea. Um, I would say starting in like 2006 or 2007, I sort of started to look over at that part of part of the wall and just been like, I wonder, I wonder if that's possible to climb that. And then in 2008, I start I started to aid climb around, you know, swing around on ropes and feel the holds and start to sort of piece it together. And then in in 2009, I spent a lot of the year really, really trying to pin it down. And so, you know, starting in 2009, I worked on it pretty, pretty vigorously all the way until we did it in, in 2000, um, uh, like 14, 15, we did it right as the new year came. Gosh, man. So what, yeah, it was a really long process. It was like really seven dedicated years of work.
0: That's overwhelming. Honestly, I I don't think anyone would intuitively just think that it would take that long to prepare for, but it does.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of took so long because we failed over and over again.
0: You know? <laughs> well, yeah, that'll do like, it. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, I'd done so many other routes on El Cap that were easier that took me like a month. And then this one took seven years, and it was just because it was so much harder. So I had to get better. We had to change our logistics. We had to change our strategy. We had to memorize every little intricacy of every little move. And so it was kind of like learning a language, you know, an insane amount of memorization and rehearsal. And yeah, I think that's what intrigued me in the end. I was like, man, can you, can you, if you get so obsessed about one singular thing is that going to you know does that work
0: so so what was the most difficult aspect of making it happen was it like either was it a part of logistics was it relationships or was it um timing money like for you what was like the biggest basically the crux of making it happen
1: i mean i think it was it was uh, i don't know that's a good question actually nobody's nobody's asked that specific question Um, hmm. I think it was probably, I mean, all those things you just mentioned were definite cruxes and they kind of, kind of all added up (laughs) to make it really difficult. I think maybe, maybe to sum it up, it's like building the belief and, 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 and sort of like the resolve that it was worth it no matter the outcome. Like that's how we were able to keep going back for so long because i loved the process so much and i felt like it was like teaching me a lot and i was growing as a human being in a way that it that i had decided it was going to be worth it even if we failed in the end
0: that's so i I'll, I'll tell you something that's really difficult for me is uh group projects and i have to do a lot of them with uh, the work i do <laughs> right was this difficult being basically a really giant group project with your partner
1: Yes, that was definitely difficult because um, we're just different personalities. Um, When we we're climbing together, it was amazing. But Kevin had a lot of time, a hard time with the belief side of it, too. And like, you know, he, he doubted whether it was worth it to come back. So he he gave up on a lot of occasions and I would have to gather other partners.
0: How did that um, feel for you?
1: I mean, I mean, it was it it was it was super frustrating at times, like I would write these epically long emails to him, (laughs) trying to get him to like, take ownership of the project a bit more. And uh, just and try to get him psyched up. And, you know, sometimes that would work. And then other times, I would just have this like, empathetic view of like, you know, what am I asking him to do? Like, because I was, I was, I was, I was very excited about the project the entire time. Um, I mean, I had doubts, but really when it came to that fall season, every year I couldn't wait to get back there. I think Kevin went about it with a lot more sort of dread. <laughs> he was like, man, this is this is so much work. Like what am I doing? Am I just wasting my life away? Um, and I did I didn't want to, you know, have him feel like he was wasting his life away um, and then have it not work out in the end um yeah so there was a lot of dynamics that were that were tricky with the partnership i would say yeah but at the same i mean we were we were it was a pretty it was a pretty amazing brotherhood too in a lot of ways like we you know that doubt is sort of part of adventure like if you're you know in big mountain climbing and expedition climbing like doubt is a huge part of it and that's you know it adds drama it adds excitement in a way that's that's very necessary
0: yeah well especially for a movie but not always uh the drama, man, is not always uh, very pleasant for your anxiety levels, um, <laughs> but it makes for a great story afterwards. So, so can I ask you this: What led? H- how did you go about the process of choosing a partner, and why did you feel you wanted one? If you, you know, there were times you could have kept going without him.
1: Yeah, that just happened, really, kind of organically. I mean, I, I at first I decided I was going to work on the route alone. And, you know, that you know, I had kind of devised these rope systems over the years using special devices where I could fix ropes on the route and mostly work on it alone. And then my plan was to occasionally um, rally friends uh, or family, you know, to come and belay me to help me work on sections that I couldn't work on alone. And then in the end, I would just, yeah, get a friend to come up and belay, belay me for, for a couple weeks. Um, and I'd done lots and lots of routes on El Cap that way. Um, so on the Dawn wall, I spent about, you know, a year working on it alone. And it was, it was a pretty lonely process on honestly. And it was hard to, to really keep that belief that it was possible because it was so hard. And then just one day out of the blue, Kevin called me up. Actually, he called me up because, uh, Center Films, Big Up Productions, they put up, they put out a little short 20 minute video piece on the on the project like i had given up on it and then they called me and they said you know we would like to make a, a video about this to kind of put it out there to the next generation because if you're not going to do this project um we should we should let people know it is what it is because it's the future. So I went up there with him for a week with about four filmers and they're all my best friends and I had so much fun up there with the four four other people like we were partying up on the wall and all of a sudden that group energy was making it so I was able to do sections of the route that I hadn't been able to do in the in the previous year. And so I started to think like I need to get more people up here. It needs to be sort of a collaboration, a teamwork effort. Um, so a few months later that video was, was released and Kevin saw the video and he thought it looked cool. And so he, he called me up and he was a, he was a boulderer. He wasn't a big wall climber at all, but he had a reputation for being a really hard worker and a good guy. And, and he asked if I would just show him what it was all about. And so sort of got excited about the idea of mentoring him or mentoring somebody. And so we went up and we started climbing on the route together. And our our partnership formed, and the belief built, and you know, before we knew it, we we're both
0: fully, fully in it. So, what was your confidence going into it, like getting on the wall?
1: Um, I mean, it would it would vary. Um, I mean, I'm I'm like kind of absurdly optimistic when it comes to climbing projects. Like, I just have this way of looking at them where I'm like, we're going to go as hard as we can, no matter what. And I think this is possible. And, you know, a lot of times I fail, but I don't really think about that too much in the process. So, I mean, Kevin would always look at me and be like, how are you so optimistic about this thing? Like, it seems so so ridiculous. (laughs) And, uh, but I think I just really enjoy the process so much that I want to be up there no matter what.
0: Time for a quick message break. CS Instant Coffee is definitely the best instant coffee I've ever had. In fact, just out of convenience and how good it tastes, I decided for the last year I've been taking it on every single adventure I go on, from backpacking to bike tours, Uh, just from convenience sake. It's really high quality, and it keeps me from having to take a bunch of other equipment out in the woods. Uh, But it's not just for going out on adventures. My wife actually takes some to work Every single day with her, she takes a couple packs, uh, to refill her coffee mug, uh, as a teacher, she doesn't have a ton of time to, um, have to, you know, make fresh coffee all the time. So she just needs a little hot water can pour the coffee in and she's ready to go for her next class and not waste a lot of time. So if you're crunched for time and your job. Uh, I would definitely suggest giving it a shot because they have been huge supporters of the show for the last year, and I really appreciate everything they've done for us, and it would mean a lot to me to go support them. So if you're interested, go to csinstant.coffee and uh, support those who are supporting the show. It would go a long way. Thank you. All right, let's get back to the episode. Was there ever a time that you felt like this this just isn't going to happen? Like it's going to fail. We can't do this.
1: Uh yeah, I when I decided when my wife and I decided to have our first child, um I didn't think that I could fit the Donwall into my life um and how with long a, ago was that? With the with the new baby. He's 5, so oh, wow. that was now he's 5 years old. So that he was he was like two and a half or or I guess two years old when we, when we did the climb. So 2012, uh, 12, I guess was when, uh, when I had that kid and I was like, I, we're not going to be able to go back and climb this thing. And I, I'd kind of, so in 2011 I gave it a big attempt. Um, and Kevin bailed that year. Um, he decided that he, let's see what was the deal. That year he had sprained his ankle really early in the season, and we had kind of decided that that was going to be our last season, no matter what, because he was kind of he was he was just fatigued from the whole project, anyways. Then when he sprained his ankle, I was like, I can't stop this project right now because I'm going to have a baby pretty soon, and I'm not going to be able to come back to the Don Wall you know, who knows when I'm going to be able to get back here. And so that season was just really heavy. So my wife came up on the wall with me that year and belayed me. My dad came up for a bunch of time and I gave it everything I had, um, without Kevin just by rallying other people after Kevin sprained his ankle and I failed. And so, yeah, it was heavy. I was like, man, I've worked on this thing for like five years at this point, And, and I just failed. Um, but within, I would say two weeks after, after that failed attempt, um, my wife actually came to me and she's like, man, this, this means a lot to you. And I like the idea of bringing our new kid to Yosemite and living there for, you know, a couple months at a time, if need be, I think we can make this work. And so it was really her that encouraged me to go back.
0: That is awesome. Yeah. So let me ask you this, cause I, there's a lot of people in this boat and frankly, I'm about six months away from being in this boat um, oh nice. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. It, it wasn't difficult for me um so far. How has having children changed the way you pursue your sport? Has it been a positive or negative effect? I'll just make it that simple.
1: Uh I mean both. <laughs> I would say <laughs> so I have I have a friend Josh I have a friend, Josh Wharton, who's got a he's got a child that's about a year younger than my younger son, Fitz. And then he and I both had like our best climbing years ever, like the, the same, like the, in the year after our child were, was born. Um, so, wow. so, I, I climbed, so I guess Fitz was only a year old year and a half old when I completed the Donwall. Um so maybe I should say it was a year and a half. Um, but I did both the the Fitz traverse and the Donwall in that year that Fitz was a little baby. And so we have this theory that you've got like a year or year and a half of like superhuman powers when you have your first kids better, <laughs> <laughs> you better, you better you better make the most of it. But I think functionally what happens is like when you have a kid, you're like, Oh gosh, is this going to really, how's this going to change my life? And you fear that you're going to lose the things that you really, really cherish. Like you lose some of the things that you're going to, that you really cherish or those are going to change. So for me, that made me, uh, it made me sort of like become way more productive and just up my game in life for like, yeah, for like a couple of years, I was just on hyperdrive. Every moment of every day was full and counted, and it made me care about it a little bit more because I was—I would always think about how I wanted my my son Fitz to see the world, and I wanted him to see it with this kind of wonder and and passion. And I thought, where did I get that? And I was like, it's through climbing, it's through things like the Don It's through these this travel. So I need to be that example to him. And so that made me really care about those things that much more, and it it was really helpful um it kind of emotionally but logistically it is way more difficult
0: <laughs> well logistics are uh seem like one of your strengths so you got that going for you
1: yeah i mean not always i mean there's there's still there's all there's always struggles and um finding the time to do it all is is hard but i think the the, uh, the reason to do it is just so strong now because we want to create this, these good lives for our kids. And we want to, attend, if you want your kid to live a full life, you need to be, be doing the same thing.
0: You know, that's, that's, a good, that's really good. Um, that reminds me, there's this guy a couple years ago that was running the Boston marathon and he, he led the marathon the first place for like the first two miles only because he sprinted, which is a horrible like strategy, but it allowed his two-year-old to see him on TV and that was the (laughs) whole reason he did it. And now he's kind of famous for that, which is, you know, he wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for his, uh, his small child. So I can see how that could be a pretty amazing, um, motivation to do things you would never do in the first place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The hard part of it though, is there is, there's a certain amount of risk involved in the, in the styles of climbing that I do. And I was sort of venturing more and more towards big mountain, expedition climbing and i just don't see dying as an option anymore so i really I assess risk way differently i'm not going into the big scary mountains with big glaciers hanging above my head and stuff i draw these these very distinct risk lines differently than i did before i had a child but honestly that helped on the donwall because i never felt like the donwall was that risky it was that thing in my life that that fulfilled the need for adventure and challenge, but I felt really, really certain that I wasn't going to die on it because it's clean, clean rock. And, um, you know, there's no avalanches and yeah, compared to a lot, a lot of the other types of climbing that I do, the Donwell was incredibly safe.
0: Hmm. So you're not going to be uh free soloing the nose anytime soon. No. Uh, well, good. So, you know, going back, um, you know, this, this was a process. Uh, this was not a trajectory to success that's nice and smooth. And if you go back and look at your story from the beginning, it's kind of been that thread all the way through. You've had some pretty harrowing experiences early on in life. Do you mind us talking about that a little bit? No. Okay. You got into climbing pretty early on, had a knack for it, got really good, and you took a trip to Kyrgyzstan where uh you know some pretty crazy stuff went down how life-changing was that experience for you because you said the don wall's life-changing i imagine that experience was also another one of those pivotal moments
1: yeah i mean i would say the 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 experience in kyrgyzstan was more life-changing than the don wall um yeah i mean it was it was life-changing in so many ways i mean i guess i should probably give a real brief synopsis um it was my first big international climbing expedition. I was 21 years old. I was basically just following my girlfriend at the time, Beth Rodden. She was she was a North Face athlete. She was a North Face sponsored athlete. And I weaseled my way onto the trip as being a rigger for the photography because <laughs> it was a trip that was supposed to create photos to for them to use in advertising. And so I wasn't a North Face athlete, but um, I managed to get myself onto the trip and we helicoptered into, uh, into this remote region in Kyrgyzstan. And that year of 2000, it became, uh, or it got, it got invaded by a rebel group called the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan. And it seemed really unlikely. It was like 30 miles from the nearest road. We're at this dead end valley. We knew that there was a little bit of a risk of like rebel activity in the area, but we had kind of figured that if we climbed up this dead end valley, it wouldn't happen. But the rebels figured out that we were there when they showed up and then they came and we were camped in a portal edge a thousand feet up a wall. They came with these long range of short assault rifles and shot up at us um, and that was our signal to come down and we got taken hostage for six you know crazy days um the a rebel group or the um the kyrgyz military invaded the valley to try and Fight this rebel group, and so we found ourselves in the middle of this war. Like we saw people shot point blank right in front of us. Um, we we were hostages, running from the Kyrgyz military for six days, and we had to abandon all of our food and warm clothing. We lost like twenty pounds of weight each, because we are we in this high mountain region without much clothing. You know, on the verge of hypothermia, and it was yeah, it was just one of these experiences that was so intense that it just it's never felt. There's nothing else in life to compare it to. Like it, 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 it seems surreal. Uh, in the, I mean, it always seems surreal. Even in the moment, it seems surreal. And then even today, I'm thinking back about it. It, it seems surreal. Um, but what it did for me is it made life real, tangible. Like you, you when you're that close to death, you, you understand how much how much life, how important life is and how much you want to do in life. And so I came out of the experience, you know, traumatized in a lot of ways, but also with sort of like this bigger reserve for living life to its fullest. I had all this energy, like in the, in my climbing, things like pain and, um, and fear, it warped those things completely like going up on El Cap after that experience didn't seem painful at all or scary.
0: No, <laughs> so <it> was, no.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I was able to use that to my advantage. And, and maybe that maybe the most profound positive effects that Kyrgyzstan had on me is that we endured for six days and probably on day five, I felt this sort of coming to life like we we didn't have any food and you would think that you would just get progressively weaker and weaker but on day 5 all of a sudden I felt flooded with energy I felt alive in this way that I almost had never had and it was this this survival instinct that kicked that kicked in and um so a lot of my climbing ever since then has been sort of a effort to understand that more because I'm like, I, we have these ability that we have this ability as hum, humans to survive and really, operate a really high level and we we don't understand that unless we're forced into that situation and we were forced into that situation in kyrgyzstan and so i've kind of wanted to find ways to get back there and i think that's one of the reasons i reasons i've been able to pick these goals and work so hard on them because you know on one hand they don't hurt and they're not scary and on the other hand there's just this deep curiosity and in, inside of me to find
0: out more about that who do you think you'd be if kyrgyzstan never happened
1: um phew. I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, I was, I was sort of on the verge of. You know, I probably would have pursued climbing still, but yeah. not, been near, not, near not nearly, but not nearly as good or successful or cared as much about it. And I probably would have been a bit more of a generalist, outdoorsy kind of person who worked in the industry. Um, You know, I'm sure the professional side of climbing wouldn't have lasted super long for me. Um, So who knows? Maybe I would have been like a sales rep or (laughs) worked at an outdoor store or something like that. I mean, definitely that experience um, just sort of upped my level of living. Like I certainly wouldn't have written a book or... You know, built a house. Like I'm always looking for these big goals and working really, really hard towards them. And I, I just wasn't that way before Kyrgyzstan.
0: Man, yeah. So that's something that you were thrown into that you weren't really uh, planning on. Um, have there been any other moments like that since then? I, I know that you said with Adonaw, there were times it didn't seem likely, and you know, you're, you're, there's a lot of things out of your control with your partner's emotions and abilities. Um, But in the end, things went went great. Have there been other any other experiences like that you can think of?
1: Yeah, I mean I chopped off my finger a few years later, and this was at a time in life when I was really trying to make it as a professional climber, so that's a pretty hard thing. Yeah, not Um, long
0: after Kyrgyzstan either, right?
1: Yeah, that was like I was just on the rebound from Kyrgyzstan. I was getting I was really getting back into it and yeah, then I chopped off my finger and you know that and I was and I was primarily doing a style of climbing that was super finger strength intensive you know bouldering sport climbing you know kind of kinds of things that you would never think would work with one less finger
0: well yeah i actually have never heard like any not details but like the story behind that i always hear it in passing but what what happened to your finger and what did that make you feel like when it happened how quickly did it set in like oh crap my climbing career is in jeopardy.
1: Yeah. So I, I was working on, um, a home remodel project just using my parents old tables, saw, which I didn't really know how to use. And I, that's how I chopped it off. I chopped it off with the table saw and literally like instantaneously what went into my mind was like, Oh my God, I just ended like my climbing. Cause that's what I was focused. So much of who I was, was focused on climbing. Like I, I had all this motivation and these aspirations it was also kind of my way to cope with hard things like kyrgyzstan like i would just go into the mountains and go climbing and all of a sudden i was like i have i've lost this and and so it created a lot of fear in me but over time that fear kind of turned into resolve i guess and So Kyrgyzstan gave me a big boost. Weirdly, my finger did the same thing. Um, In terms of like physically how I climbed, I just became way more dedicated. I started to-
0: Isn't that funny?
1: Yeah. I started to think about my diet. I started to train in all these specific ways. I started to yeah, make schedules and I just worked really, really hard. And and I've always found that I thrive in those situations. Like when life sort of forces me into these things that that are hard it makes me just kind of rise to that occasion and I'm, I'm sort of addicted that to that in a way and sometimes it's negative things like getting kidnapped or chopping off my finger that forces that but climbing in general just does that it's like climbing's hard you know it hurts you do you you go to these mountains and you plan to do something that's going to put you through a lot of misery because it's going to bring you to life And maybe my ability to go through things like Kyrgyzstan and my finger and, and, and have such a positive outcome was because I've been climbing my whole life. It's kind of like climbing as a, as a child with my dad was, was good training for sort of the adversity of life.
0: (laughs) And, and so is, is there adversity in your life that isn't so dramatic, like maybe mundaneness or responsibilities of being a father? That are also adversity, but it just in a different way.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think everybody's life has got all sorts of adversity. I'm, I like to joke that like the hardest part of my year is going and visiting the grandparents in Florida,
0: because <laughs> <laughs> where I'm from man. Come on. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now we sit around. We go to the pool. We play cards, and I get back. I get kind of bored.
0: <laughs> where in Florida? Do you uh, go? Just curious. Um, we go to Fort Myers. That's where my father-in-law lives. That's so, we're going to be there in a couple <laughs> weeks, man. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a totally different yeah. world, but in a way that's, that's an adversity. That's like, how do I break out of this? <laughs> yeah, I
1: think you, I think I only thought of that cause you're like the mundaneness of life. I was like, usually my life is not at all mundane. That's probably the only example I could think of.
0: <laughs>
1: um, that's funny, man. But having a kid, it's a big challenge and I don't know, I think I'd take all these challenges and I just, you know, they're like little battles that, that, can kind of, um, that can kind of bring you to life in a way.
0: Well, I mean, that's obviously, you know, you got to have that attitude to do some of the things you've done despite some of the things that have happened. Is there ever a time you just don't feel like fighting anymore? Do you ever get really down and don't want to try?
1: Um, for me, that is probably more fleeting than for most people. (laughs) I would say like my friends are always like, man, how do you, you know, how are you so optimistic or how are you, you know, always motivated and always going? Like I do have a lot of energy, um, for
0: that kind of thing. So where do you think that came from?
1: Uh, I mean, I think all the, all the crazy stuff I've been to and having a father that just sort of helped that raised me in a way that just they just create a lot of a lot of passion you know there's a lot of exciting things this world of climbing and travel there's always so much cool exciting stuff going on it's easy to be a super energetic person in that world um i think my biggest challenge is there's there's too many great things going on like i could i want to go on big expeditions but i also want to teach my kids how to ski and um you know there's yeah just balancing that is is my challenge it's it's really not about um getting bored ever
0: it's a little bit uh frustrating how much there is to do like that you could get into yes (laughs) you know i i I, just in the state alone i I, there's so many different sports that i want to try that i just don't have like time or money for so many places and it's almost like you could drive yourself crazy trying to think of all you haven't done yet Yes.
1: Yeah. So I tend to just pick the, pick the, you know, try and pick the things they care the most about and pursue those.
0: Interesting. So, so do the, having kids, like, does it draw your attention back down to these little details, like a, a leaf on the ground versus <laughs> the Dawn Wall? <laughs>
1: yeah. It creates those, it creates those quiet moments for sure. I mean, I love looking, trying to look at the world through the eyes of my kids. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think in my book I wrote a lot about that. Actually, the this first those first few months when my son Fitz was born, um, my daughter Ingrid was born. You know, as I was writing the book, so um, she's not really in the book too much. <laughs> um, but uh, but my son Fitz was born, um, and we would just like sit in a cap. Meadow and look at the clouds, and you know, talk about the animals and look at the little blades of grass, and it created these, yeah, these kind of tender, quiet moments, which are, which are quite magical as well.
0: So you you do this. What's next for Tommy Caldwell? Um,
1: I mean, I'm trying to just like continue the the awesome life. Like this year, um, you know, I'm home right now. I'm moment but for pretty much the this whole year starting about three months ago um we're living on the road full-time traveling with the family um trying to experience as much as we can before they you know auger into into the public schools before our kids auger into the public school system so we're traveling as much as we can we're climbing tons we're um you know trying to world school our kids you know some people call it homeschooling but we i like to call it world schooling because we're you know we're studying languages of the countries we're in or we're studying the you know the geology of yosemite valley or the animals in yellowstone like wherever we are we're that's that's the school for our kids right now and that's that's really fun i think our 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 motivation to do this is really to just show them how vast and incredible the world can be so that they, so it builds energy in them the same way my dad did in, in me when I was young. Um, so yeah, it's really, it's really so much about the family, but kind of merged with the things that we love most, which are kind of travel and climbing and good people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. And so, um, after after they get to a certain age, you you guys will settle. Let them go to school. Let them make friends. Build a life for a little bit. Uh, probably. Yeah, most likely. I mean, the life of constant
1: travel is is amazing. Um, and who knows? We might decide to do that more than a year. Um, and but I think like as since we've been doing it for three months, we're realizing some a few things. Like it's pretty it's pretty tough um, because you just don't have any comfort so it's like it's tiring you know living in a in a van with two small kids you don't end up sleeping that much and they don't end up sleeping that much and it just creates a little bit more conflict in life um so you're definitely enduring a lot but you're also experiencing so much more so i think what we've decided is, is it's really good for a time for like a year but who knows maybe we'll get so addicted to it that we'll continue it for another year um i was a little worried about the social side of it for our children like traveling so much i you know i was worried about keeping them away from their friends. But what we found is there's this community of climbers that are doing the same thing. And everywhere we go, we, we meet families and we're actually, um, the kind of global community of climbers feels like home for me more than our, than my community at home. (laughs) And so that part of it's been really cool.
0: Yeah, that's really unexpected, but there's enough people doing it to, you know, kind of like snowbirds in the, in Florida, we just get an influx of Basically, old people, and they all know each other because they all live up there together, and they all come down together. So it's really just the transition. That's the only time they're alone. But anywhere they station themselves, they're usually surrounded by people they know. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, we're starting that journey soon, so it's good to get a little advice. Uh, Wait, is this your first kid? First one ever. All right, nice. <laughs> yeah, well, man. hold
1: on for the ride. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty mind blowing experience.
0: Dude, that's kind of been the mindset. It's just like, I'm not like super excited in the sense of like, oh my God, this was like my life's dream. But I'm almost like, I'm really stoked to show this kid everything that I've learned, you know, and hopefully set them off to go learn their own stuff. Uh, I, I think that aspect of it will be really exciting.
1: Yeah, and I think living in this world of adventures, you t- that's 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 going to be the lens you view raising a child through. It's it's just a big adventure, and you can kind of make of it what you wish. And it's going to be hard, um, but that's kind of what makes it rich. So yeah, yeah I mean, you,
0: yeah, you should be excited, everything that, yeah, exactly. Just everything that's been hard is well, everything I'm proud of has been hard. So yeah, well, man, um, that's all the questions I have. Oh uh, no! No worries. No, it's it nice, nice conversation. So yeah, to be on the show. Yeah, well, tell your dad I said hello. I'm sure he doesn't remember me, but if you remember, he remembers climbing with some tall, red-bearded guy um, last summer, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, he
1: probably he probably will remember you. He remembers almost everybody. So I'll let him know.
0: All right, man. Thank you so much. Again, you have a good one. All right, you too, Tommy. See you. Bye. First of all.